It is my privilege to invite you to today's sermon podcast. I have made the Apostle Paul's prayer request my own. When he states in Ephesians six nineteen, pray also for me, that whenever I open my mouth, the words may be given to me, so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. May today's sermon come alive to you and aid you in your understanding of God's plan for your life. Well, praise the Lord. Good morning, church. It's good to be with you today. <laughs> did you all wake up this morning and did you say, praise the Lord, good morning? Or did you say, good morning, Lord, it's morning? How did you, how did you wake up this morning? <laughs> well, are you just going to sit there or are you going to tell me? I'm teasing you, of course. It's good to be with you in the house of the Lord. Hey, thank you for your faithfulness. Uh, uh, I just, I, I feel like I just want to say that from the depths of my heart because, um, uh, you know, we're still praying for a pastor, and it's okay. Uh, we're in a, we're on a journey, right? We're in this thing for the long haul. I signed up with you for the long haul. So whatever it takes, Amen. 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 Uh, pray this Friday night, especially as the church board uh, meets with a pastoral a pastor with, for an interview. We're going to see where it goes. We've been through a couple of them, but we're, we're, we're taking this one step at a time. And, and just uh, So thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your attendance. That's important to us. Thank you for your financial support. That's important to us. What time, is that? What time will that be? Seven o'clock. Everything, every meeting in the Church of the Nazarene at seven o'clock in the evening. Come on. Just teasing. Yeah. In the meantime, uh, Pastor Jason has finished our new directory. Did you get yours yet? All right. They're out there on a table. They're laid alphabetically. One's got your name on it. There's one per family. Uh, if, you, if you need an extra one, well, what are they, 1995? <laughs> I don't know. You just got to take Jason to dinner, I guess, something like that. And, uh, but make sure and get yours. I love this thing. Um, I've already gone through it several times. Um, just praying over the people. I, they, they allowed me to put my, my, my picture here. I've been long enough now that I warranted my picture. And I got a little, a little something there that just says, hey, this is a tool. This is a tool for us to know how to pray for each other, to remember each other. You know, you'd be surprised how many times I ask someone, do you know so-and-so? No, I don't know them. Well, how long have you been coming here? Well, two years. You come, come in here. You don't know you? Well, you sit over there and I sit over there. So use this as a tool. And when there are prayer needs, go through this list. And pray for your brothers and sisters, because we all need prayer. Amen? Amen. So thank you, Jason, for uh, getting this to us, and we appreciate it very much. And, uh, and, uh, and we're going to use it as a tool. Now take your Bibles and open them up to the New Testament in the First Thessalonians. I want to speak this morning and, the, and next Sunday morning. I want to speak on the coming of the Lord. Now, the last uh, three Sundays, we've talked about the validity of the Word of God, the veracity, the reliability. Can I trust God's Word? And we've talked about how to interpret it and what translation should I use and what does it all mean? And we've even talked a little bit about the laws of interpretation on a couple ideas, like, like parable. Um, this morning, we're going to kind of lean a little bit, delve a little bit into, well, symbolism and allegory. Uh, the strange things that we see uh, through the scripture that God gave prophets of old to tell us what's going to happen. 
Do you realize that you can look at the Bible and you can tell what's going to happen? And you can read the time that you're in today. And I hope today and next Sunday, you will see that that is true. Um, you know, we, when we talked about the reliability of the Word of God and how we can, we can trust it, and there are so many topics that the Word of God addresses, here is one you can, you can bet your bottom dollar on. Not that you'd be betting, but uh, just, it's, just, it's a phrase, you know what I'm talking about? You can be sure that when the Bible talks about the last days, what's going down, you can literally see it before your very eyes. If you got your eyes open spiritually and you're looking from the heavenlies, you can see that what the Bible says is true. And one of the things we talked about, by the way, last, uh, the last couple of weeks, is how God micromanaged his word in such a way, his DNA is all over it. I mean, the way he set up the copying of the word of God to make sure that what we hold today, we can say it is true to what was written in the originals. There's no question. It's amazing. Um, you, you know, and how the monks, they would, they would give their entire life. They would separate themselves from everyone. They'd take vows of poverty and vows of silence and uh, vows of celibacy. And they would, they would commit their entire life to the reading, the studying, and the transmission of God's word. It was a serious business for them. Uh, someone told me a couple weeks ago, one of you, in fact. So if you don't like this, blame it on one of you. Uh, th- there was a monk that, um, that was assigned his duty, his time now, to go interpret and copy the Word of God. So he went down to the, to, the, to the depths of the basement of the monastery, and he began to write, and he was there for several hours, and, and all of a sudden, all the other monks up above heard this curdling scream from the basement. And they thought, what in the world is going on? Is the guy dying? So they all madly rushed down to the basement, and they go, what is wrong? What is he said, they missed the R. They missed the R. They missed the R. Apparently, one of the ancient monks missed the footnote and the parchment at the bottom. Be careful how you spell or when you spell Celebrate. You're going to get it. It's coming. It's coming. All right. If you if you don't understand it, just talk to your friend after church, and they'll 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 enlighten you. <laughs> oh, I thought that was so funny. I realize it took a little bit of thinking about it, but uh... come on, celebrate, celibate. They miss the R. Come on. Okay. Now, I want to read you six verses of a scripture that is so detailed, it gives us a step-by-step process of what the return of Jesus will look like. Are you ready for this? All right, so I already told you, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Let's stand for the word of God. I'm starting in verse 13. Here's the word of God this morning. Brothers and sisters... We do not want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep or grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. We believe that Jesus died, he rose again, so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. Now that's a theology all unto its own. 
According to the Lord's own word, we tell you that we who are still alive, that would be us, who are left until the coming of the Lord will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself, here it comes now, will come down from heaven with a loud command, with a loud voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. And the dead in Christ, they will rise first. And after that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord. What's the next word say? Forever. Therefore, encourage each other with these words. Well, that's pretty easy to encourage each other with these words. Amen? Uh, There are some who are dead in Christ who are still walking. Well, never mind. I shouldn't even go there. But those of us who are still alive, when Jesus comes, we see a step-by-step process here that the Word of God gives us that gives us great hope. Jesus is coming. He's coming again. He's coming soon. The Scripture teaches it. Let's look at it. You may be seated. So, um, 1 Thessalonians 4. It has what I would consider to be the most detailed account. Let me put it this way. Let me put it this way. Of the beginning of the end. All right? It's, it's the beginning of the end. It, it, what's what, what the Bible calls the beginning of the, of the end is what the Bible calls the rapture. Now, most of you, if not many of you, not most, are familiar with this term, the rapture. And there is a lot of words in, in the idea of the last days that are confusing. Uh, there's a lot of ideas. But here is one that, um, well, Paul writes very plainly, we're going to be raptured. The way he puts it, we're going to be caught up, he says. That, that's the way he puts it. That's the rapture, the word rapture. Um, you might find it interesting that the, the, this idea, the, the word rapture itself, is, it's found in the oldest transcript or, or manuscript or copy of the Bible, you might say, that we have, the Latin Vulgate. There is, and in the, in the Latin, though, it's, it's rapturis, um, but, but that's where we get the word or the idea or the concept of the rapture. Look at verse 17. He says, we will be caught up together with those who are raised from the grave or the dead. Those who are already asleep is the way one translates. So caught up is the idea or the word for the rapture. And another passage, uh, the word rapture... Um, it, it is used as the, from the, it comes from the word Adam. In those days, they didn't know the atom could be split. They thought it was the very smallest of all molecules. Well, now the atoms have been split. But they're saying in the in in, in the in the twinkling of an eye, they're going to be we're going to be caught up in this instant. So in Paul's letter here in verse seventeen, he, he uses a, a, a word, of course, in his language that comes from the, uh, from the Old Testament. The word rapture, the idea, harpazo, mean, be, being caught up. Um, and, of course, it's in the Greek language. We're going to be caught up. And, and literally, it, it has a literal meaning. It means we're going to be snatched up by force. I mean, you're walking along, and in, in a sense, you're going to be grabbed and snatched up by force. 
You're going to be grabbed. Could you get the picture? You're going to be jerked out of your boots is, is, is an idea. It's, I mean, it's going to be dramatic. It's going to be dynamic. And it's going to be powerful. You're going to just be walking along and just, you got nothing to do with it. If you're in Christ, kaboom, you're snatched up. So that, that's, that's the way it describes it. Now, now, I probably should say that Bible scholars, they, they differ to some degree as to the sequence of events of how this is going to play out. I mean, when you look at, uh, you look at the uh, apocryphal literature like Daniel, Ezekiel in the Old Testament, you look at John uh, in, in his revelation, and you see all these symbols, and you, you see these allegorical figures, and it becomes confusing, and to understand how it all pans out is not always the easiest way. I've often said one sure thing, anybody that's too sure about how it pans out is, is probably going to be wrong. Uh, in fact, one of the things that the scripture reminds us of is that no one knows the hour or the day. So when you're snatched up, uh, even though you're ready to go, you're just going about life. And when Jesus is ready to come, you got nothing to do with it. He's just going to come. He's going to say, okay, we've had enough, Father. Let's go. Let's finish this thing. And it becomes the beginning of the end. So um, I believe um, that the, the rapture, this beginning of the end, uh, the rapture of the church, I want to say it two, three, two or three ways. Uh, the rapture of the ecclesia, the called out ones, the hoi agioi, the ones Paul calls the holy ones of God. The rapture of, of the Christ followers will begin, will begin the beginning of the end of, of the world as we know it. It'll be a dramatic change. And the Apostle Paul says to the church that you and I need to be aware. We need to, have not, we need to be knowledgeable. We need to be informed as to what this looks like. So it's important that from time to time, the church stands back and say, oh, say, okay, what, 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 is it, what is this all about? What does it look like? What does the Bible say? We need to be reminded. We need to be hopeful. We need to be encouraged that as tough as it gets, there's still hope. Jesus is on his way. When I was a kid, we used to sing all these songs about the second coming of the Lord. Jesus is coming soon, morning or night or night. Many will meet their doom, trumps will sound. Doot, doot, doot. So we used to sing all these songs about this, this event. A way to remind us that, that there is hope for the Christian. Jesus has not forgotten us. He's on his way. So hang on. Be ready. Be faithful. It's going to happen. We need to be informed. Not ignorant of what's going to happen. In fact, um, verse 13, he says, brothers... Now, you notice this morning, I, I said brothers and sisters. I just included that. I didn't want to leave the sisters out here because the rest of the phrase says, we do not want you to be ignorant. <laughs> None of us want to be ignorant. Amen? We want to be informed. So now, I want to take a moment this morning. I want to dance with you a little bit, although I only have two feet, left feet. I want to dance with you a little bit in some of the things that I think that are earmarks, trademarks uh, of the Scripture. Um... Pressure points, uh, I'm just thinking of some other words, 
Uh, what are the signs of his coming? The way I see it. The way I understand it. What are some things we can say that when we look from uh, the, the heavenlies, when we look spiritually, what are the signs that we see happening around us that would imply that the coming of Christ is soon, imminent? Is that true? So, so let me just give a, take a stab at it, and I'm just going to talk at you a little bit. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 52, it, it says this. When this happens, it's going to happen in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. So let me talk about that for a second. Instantaneously. How, how, long does it, how long does it take to blink your eye? Well, well I went to Rabbi Google because I didn't know. <laughs> Rabbi Google says when you blink your eye, it takes one-third of a second. Now, that's why Paul also uses this word Adam or this idea of in the least common denominator of what we know in terms of existence, that's how quick it's going to happen. It's done. Like that. In, in the blink of an eye. This is going to happen too fast to see. Although I think it will be seen. You're not going to see it immediately, but make no stick about it. Although it happened in a split second, people will witness it around the world more than any other event than anyone has ever seen together. Our eyes are going to be glued to it. I mean, they have to be. What's going to happen when millions of people all of a sudden are gone? disappear. You're sleeping with your husband and your wife. One's a Christian, one's not. The one who's a Christian, you wake up, they're gone. You're going to go into the kitchen, they're not there. You're going to go into the bedroom, they're going to go to the bathroom, you're going to go outside. You're not going to find them. Why? Because they've been snatched up by force. Jesus has taken his church. It's an incredible thought. Um, the world will see it as it happens because of our, our modern-day technology. Now, you think about it. You think about it. I've been in places in the world where there's no electricity and no running water. You're out in the farthest ditches of the world, and yet people still have cell phones. <laughs> yoo Come on. The first time I was in a village in a place called Chiimba, outside of the long way, in Malawi, Africa. I'm standing next to a pastor. I thought I was the farthest way away from any civilization whatsoever. They had no running water. Children were dying until we put in a well. They had no electricity. It had been this way for hundreds and thousands of years. Think of it. I'm standing there with this pastor. All of a sudden, a phone rings. And I go, I thought I got rid of my phone when I came here. Amen. <laughs> Amen. See, that's what I'm talking about. And I go, what in the world? The pastor reaches, it was this pocket. I still remember. He reaches into his pocket, and he's got a little flip phone. He opens it up. Hello? And, and in seconds, it dropped. 
I've never seen a phone call in Africa that did not drop at least five times. Now it's getting better. And by the way, in the last 15 years, guess what? They've gone from flip phones to smartphones. And the nation in the world, I think I've told you this, that exchanges more money via electronic devices is the Nigeria, not America. So, you think about it. Uh, cell phones, video cameras, security cameras, body cams, stoplight cameras. Don't try to run that stoplight around in Boise because they'll get you. They got your number, and you'll get a ticket a week later with your car license plate going through the red light. <laughs> Cameras everywhere. I read of a, of, a, of a, I think it was a senator this morning, a lady uh, who was in a theater, and um, she was dating a man, and they caught her on camera in the theater, uh, I don't know, smooching or something. And it's big news. You can't go anywhere today without a, without a camera. Because Big Brother's watching you. How about your front doorbell? Anybody got a camera on your front doorbell? How about on the, when you back your car up? Anybody got get one of those cameras? I'm just telling you, wherever you go, there's cameras. So what, what I'm suggesting to you is when we're snatched away, even though we don't see it in that moment, well, the world's going to see it. And if you think this is a mistake, God is setting up the entire universe for the coming of Jesus, his son, to rapture the church. And people of all nations and tribes and tongues, they're going to begin asking, well, what in the world just happened? Look what happened. Look Look at this. Look at this. Did you guys see that? It'll be on the news. It'll be on the television. People just disappearing before their very eyes. Think of it. Truck drivers going down the road. Pilots in an airplane. People at Walmart shopping with a blue light special. Oh, no, that was uh, Kmart. They're just, they're there, now they're not. There they were, now they're gone. That's, that's what we're talking about. And you talk about conspiracy theories? Let them roll. You think we got conspiracy theories on the blogs and the YouTubes and the whatever tubes, boob tubes? Conspiracy theories galore. Oh, it's a mass hallucination. Oh, they're not really gone. They just appear to be gone. Maybe it's a government. Big Brother's at it again. Or how about aliens? Yeah, yeah, I heard that one. Aliens. Of a worldly, another worldly kind. You think I'm kidding. You just do the math. People will be blown away, astounded. They won't know what happened. They don't understand the scripture. It'll be the lost who are left behind. And they're going to go, what, what, what is going on in our world? It's going to be pandemonium. I once heard Earl Lee say years ago, I was in college. In the back late 60s, early 70s, I heard him say, when the church is gone, the world will not last for a day. Now, that's what he said. Now, I think he was overemphasizing the reality of the role the church plays in the world today. 
The church plays a huge role in the world today. But when we're gone, you think of it. Um, You're taking a walk. You're on a sports field. You're walking your dog. Now the dog's walking itself. By the way, dogs do not go to heaven. And neither do cats. I hate to disappoint you. But Fido will not be there. As much as you love Fido, and as much as he's a part of the family, Fido doesn't have a soul. You do. He's got a spirit, but he's got no soul. Yeah. He's got a personality. Sure does. He thinks he's a human. How many times have you heard that about your dog? So, in the twinkling of an eye, he says, millions of people will instantly disappear, vanish, gone. In Revelation 22, Jesus, he makes this astounding statement in John's vision. Jesus says, behold, I come quickly. I'm coming quick. Um, So, the signs of his coming, what are they? Well, let me think. Uh, Here's one for you. This this is a big one, in my opinion. This is a huge one. Daniel, in his prophecy, chapter 12, I believe, Daniel prophesies. The angel tells him to shut the book. Your prophecy is over. But he says, in the last day, there will be a a rapid movement of information. The way he puts it is something like this in the King James. People are going to be running to and fro. Well, what do you think that means? What does to and fro look like? You know, he, he, he's never seen a car. For thousands of years, people have used nothing but camels, elephants, and horses to get around. And now in one generation, they're driving automobiles. And in the same generation, they're flying airplanes. That happened, kaboom, like a flash. So now, here's Daniel saying, people are running to and fro. What does that look like? Well, it looks like cars, boats, airplanes, jets. They're flying all over the world. You can get in one spot and fly all around the world in a matter of hours. They're running to and fro. And then he says, there'll be an expanse of knowledge. Well, if you look at what's going on with knowledge today... We used to say knowledge doubled every year. Now now it's not even close to that. In fact, if I had time, I don't have time, but if I had time, I'd pull up a couple things here. Some uh, University of California scientists who are studying the expanse of knowledge and what's happened in our, just in our lifetime alone boggles your mind. And the, and the exponential change of knowledge is so explosive, nobody can keep up with it. That's what's going on in information. Daniel prophesied that in his prophecy. There will, in the last days, people will be running all over the place, which we are, and there'll be such an expanse of knowledge, nobody will be able to keep up with it. Here's another thought, of a sign. I don't think there's any question that our world, indeed America, has abandoned our moral values. And the scripture is very very open about this. We've abandoned the moral laws of God. Um, and therefore, churches, because they've run away from God, they're empty. If you've ever traveled Europe and gone to churches, there are these massive cathedrals, but on Sunday, there's nobody there. They don't believe in God anymore. Or they're chasing other gods. 
They've at least forgotten God. So, so, so the moral values have plummeted. And the Bible says in the last days it's going to happen. Just go to the book of Timothy and read what it looks like. People will be lovers of themselves. They won't care. They'll be God-haters is what he says. The whole scriptures replete. It's complete. It agrees. All the New Testament in the last days is going to get pretty bad. Um, and then here's one for you. Um, I believe the enemy has turned loose a demon in our day. Now, I don't have time to flesh all this out biblically, and I, we, we could, but maybe we'll get to that next Sunday song. But I believe a demon's been unleashed. When you look at the book of Revelation, and you look at, you, you look at all the, the different symbolism and the elements of the allegory of how things begin to unwrap and be revealed, demons are let loose. And the enemy, Satan, knows that his time is short. And so he's going to do the best he can to do everything he can to thwart the purposes of God on earth. That's his role. That's what he does. He's a fallen angel. And he's intent and he's hell-bent on confusing God's creation. So what does he do in our day and age? We've never seen the likes of it. And it's not just America. We are now looking at a male and female and we're calling the opposite sex. We're not only doing that, being confused in our mind about a male and a female. God created them male and female. Where do you think this comes from? This was the design of God. There's an attack upon humanity. And he's the author. Satan is called the author of confusion. Now, I'm just talking through you, with you. Some of my theology, my understanding of what's going on in our day, in our world, with our own families and our own kids, our own grandkids, and our own school systems, with our governments, And the leaders of our governments are some of the worst to promote and panhandle the reality that there's no male or female. There's multiple sexes. You can be whatever sex you want to be. And now we're trying to change the sex of children and of adults by giving them certain kinds of medicines to change their behaviors and their chemical balances. To try to confuse the creation that God made in our world. It's all by design. And in my opinion, I mean, again, this is not just America. This is going on around the world. And I wish I, wish I, didn't, I, I didn't have to say this, but it's our own governments. It's our own leaders, our own presidents. It's our own, it's, it's our own, the own champions of our nation who are leading the race in confusion. Well... Big surprise, it's all right here in the Word of God. If you understand the Word of God, and you see what God is saying to us, we understand chaos and confusion are part of the last days. Uh, Jesus said in the last days there's going to be many um, false Christs and false teachers. You know, some of us have had this image, think of before the cell phone. Think of before the smartphone. Think of before the computer. We have thought false Christs and false teachers would be uh, people that you would see on the street corner preaching a different gospel. No, just pick this thing up and go to blogs or people's ideas. There's thousands of them out there. They're antichrists, they're agnostics, they're atheists, 
and they promote an agnostic or an antichrist theology. Do you not see how the enemy's using this to confuse the world? And so when Jesus says, there are many antichrists in the last days, open your eyes. Look and see what's happening. The days are short. The time is short. And we must be aware of what's going on. In Matthew 24, Jesus, um, he tells his disciples uh, that his, his followers are going to be handed over for persecution. Now, there's another one. Do you realize there's more persecution today in our world than ever in the history of the universe? There are more Christians being persecuted and killed for their faith just because they're Christian. You talk to my brother John, who's traveled the world as a missionary. He has hobnobbed and and lived with pastors and leaders who have been killed, Nazarene pastors and leaders who have been killed because of their faith. And we know that's happening around the world in many different areas. And Jesus predicted in Matthew 24, you're going to be handed over, he said, for persecution and even death. And that's happening today. Open your eyes. Be aware. Jesus also spoke um, in, in this 24th chapter of Matthew of an increase of wickedness or lawlessness. Woo-hoo. What have you seen on your television in the last number of years? We've seen an increase of wickedness and lawlessness bar none. Now, I'm not a person to try to scare or sensationalize. I'm just telling you what I see and what I believe is going on in our world. It's madness. It's upside-down craziness. To think that we have police forces who are told to stand by while hordes of people run into stores and grab everything they can and run. And the governors say, well, you can steal up to $1,000 and we won't do anything. It's just a misdemeanor. Now, you and I think this is a political thing. No, it's not. Look beyond the politics. Got nothing to do with politics. The scripture in Ephesians 6 says, you better put on the, the whole armor of God because it's going to get pretty bad. And you need to stand. And having done all just to stand, he says. In other words, it's going to get so tough, it's going to take everything you've got to hang in there. Thank God it hasn't come quite to Idaho yet. But it's coming. It's coming. So be ready, he says. And Jesus says, because of this lawlessness, and this is one that just strikes me to the core. He says, because of this lawlessness, just read the scripture, chapter 24. There's going to be a, a love is going to grow cold. Love is going to grow. What does that look like to you? Have you ever, ever have any of you noticed... Uh, an increase in road rage in our world, in, in America? You know what that is? It's a picture of love growing cold. Have you ever seen men and women who have been married 10, 15, 20 years, all of a sudden one of them decides they want out? And even in the face of the church, I've seen it. They are blatantly dating someone else. In the face of the, of the, of the congregation, thinking it's nothing. I know of a couple pastors that have done this. 
And they started dating a secretary or somebody. And the next thing you know, they're shopping with them in a, in a, in a wall, and they think nothing of it. I'm telling you, I could give you names, dates, and times. You know what that is? Love grown cold. It's a hardness of the heart. It's a callousness that sin doesn't matter. It's no big deal. It doesn't, well, they do this to me. They treat me like this. You don't know the other part of the story. We've all got our excuses why sinfulness is okay. A love gone cold, he says. And in verse 14, here's one of the big ones, and I think this is bigger than anybody realizes. Well, at least for the most part. The gospel, verse 14, the gospel will be preached to all nations. Now, I got to tell you, that's already happening. That's already happening. So, here's what I believe. I believe, okay, it's 1157. I'm going to be done by 12, whether I'm done or not. We'll pick it up next week. But I may not be here if the rapture happens. Amen. Did you hear that? In case you're on live stream, neither will we, someone said from the congregation. That's good news. Amen. Yeah. I believe that Jesus could come at any moment. The stage has been set, church. We just don't see it. One of the problems is an abandonment of the word of God in the church. If that's not an indication that something's going on, where we look at the word of God that plainly teaches certain biblical ideas, and we say, oh, no, 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 you misinterpreted that. Come on. You all know what I'm talking about. That's why we spent some time in interpretation last week. So, think of it this way. Let me see if I can do this quickly. Two minutes. Think of, it, think, think of bookends. So, the rapture is the beginning of the end. We have the rapture, and the end is the second coming of Jesus. So we have two events here. One is Jesus comes to take his church. The other, he comes with his church. One, he comes when no one sees him. The other, every eye will see him. You see the difference? We got bookends here. Uh, in one, he comes like a thief in the night. Uh, the, other, the other, he's going to burst through the eastern sky. He's going to enter the holy city. Every eye will see him. Every knee will bow. That's what we see. And in between these bookends, begin with the rapture. We got this charismatic leader that comes up. We got we we got this guy who he who he leads by peace. He deceives the world by peace. Uh, I've read some very interesting articles. Oh man, I don't want to type with this. Recently, about it could be that the beast, they call him the beast or the Antichrist, will come out of an Islamic nation. There, there are some biblical ideas that promote that. And I'm just saying, this, this charismatic leader, he's going to suck the world into this idea because there's so much turmoil. Everybody's going to say, we, what are we going to do? There is no answer. And all of a sudden, there he is. He's charismatic. Everybody said, whoa, this is the answer. And for three and a half years... We have the, the tribulation until everything changes, and he turns the screws on everyone. And we go through the, this, this three and a half years of his reign, 
And Revelation 13, 16, 17 it describes that everybody's going to take a mark. You're going to be forced to take a mark of this beast. And if you don't take it, you'll not be able to sell or buy. Just read it. You'll not be able to sell or buy anything. Now think of this. Uh, have you been to Europe lately? I was in Europe a few months ago. Uh, Linda and I, where were we? I think we were in London. And I went across the street to buy a cup of coffee. And all I, 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 I had some euros, so I pulled out my euros. I gave it, she said, oh, we don't take cash. You don't take cash for a cup of coffee? You no, know, you had to have a credit card. If you don't think there is already an intentional mandate to go to cashless society so we can trace everything that you do. My wife told me this morning, she said, I got an email, and I've never seen this before. I was in Walmart yesterday. She had to buy this, this, and this, and this. She said, I got a list of everything I bought in Walmart on this, on this email. I know companies today who put chips in the hands of people, their employees, to mark them when they come in and when they leave. I know grocery stores. I heard of a friend tell me this last week. He was in a store where his son works, and you go into the store, they give you a card, and whatever you touch, if you pick it up, they mark it as bought. If you take it out of the store, it's bought. If you lay it back down, it erases. It tracks your every movement in the store. When you walk out the store, if you've got it in hand, they know you don't even use a cashier. You think the time is not ripe. It is ripe. And I could go on. And I'm out of time. There's going to be the tribulation. There's going to be Armageddon. Then there's going to be a thousand year reign of Jesus. And the new Jerusalem. Yeah. You can count on it. Don't mark my words. Mark the words. Don't mark my words. It's one minute after 12 now. I lied to you. (laughs) So Lord, we want to be ready. As we leave, may every heart, may every mind be in tune with you. If, Lord, there's anyone here or listening to my voice via live stream, Lord, may confession flow and may obedience be the norm. And, Lord, we will be ready for your coming. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen, Amen, church. I'll see you next Sunday. Uh, Maybe, maybe, just maybe. Maybe not. I might, I might not. We'll, We'll see. I want to thank you for joining today's sermon podcast. You can find a copy of today's sermon as well as other sermons and the sermon outline from today on our church's website, www.mvcnaz.org. It is my prayer also that you will seek out a church home that recognizes the authority of the Bible.